Do you want a smart lock, a 2K cam, and doorbell all in one? Now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes, I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be SOL if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch now. Let's be real. I didn't have to use it. I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy's on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Let's get it going on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, a part of fan-sided podcasting network and arrowheadattic.com. I'm Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. And I'm joined, as always, by Sterling Holmes of ESPN Kansas City and 810 Sports Radio, who you can follow on Twitter at HomestretchKC. Sterling, how are you doing today? Doing great. You know, it's another day, another day where my mustache and uh, soul patch is growing out. You know, Garden is uh, sprouting up, and the uh, the Chiefs. I enjoyed the draft, so all things considered, doing pretty well. You know, it's funny you say that. I have also been growing a mustache during quarantine because, I mean, what else am I going to do? And there's not really any reason to shave anymore, so... Yeah. That feels like something that a lot of people are doing while we're isolated. Yeah, my soul patch is getting uh, extremely gross. My mustache is so thick, I'm scared to eat soup. And my hair is starting to look like Steve Nash when he played for the Dallas Mavericks. So, uh, you know, got a lot of stuff going for me right now. This is going to be very obscure, but do you remember the one-game-only jerseys, jerseys that the Mavericks wore that looked like trash cans? They wore them for one <laughs> game only and then got rid of them. They looked like garbage bags. If you haven't seen it, it's like a silver spaceship jersey. You should look it up. It, one game, and that's all it took to get rid of them. It was oh, it was hilarious. That's brutal. But someone who has played more than one game, it's a beautiful segue, is Dustin Colquick. And he has been released by the Kansas City Chiefs as of this week. Posted a beautiful goodbye on Instagram. It does save Kansas City $2 million against the cap. And they do already have two punters in camp. Tyler Newsom and Tommy Townsend. And Sterling, this might be a unique situation for someone who doesn't follow Kansas City very closely, although I don't know who would be listening to, that, to this podcast in that situation, but <laughs> there's, a, there's a ton of love around Dustin Colquick. Yeah, honestly, this is a very, very tough situation. 
not just financially, not just because it, it, it saves Kansas City $2 million. I still think Colquitt was relatively productive last year. Yes, he's not as good as when he used to be the best player on those awful Chiefs teams, but he was still effective. So, realistically, he's probably still better than Tyler Newsom and Tommy Townsend. And I don't know, saving $2 million, I know the Chiefs are up against the cap, but you know, if they don't use this $2 million, which I don't know if they do or not yet, it, it almost seems like a, a little bit of a head-scratcher. You, you know what I'm saying right here? Yeah, I, I can see where you're going with that. I guess I guess what you're saying is right in the sense that it is to be determined if we get to see the Chiefs use this freed money. My, my thought process was, yes, it's sad that you lose Justin Colquick in a way, as sad as losing a punter can be, because for a long time he was one of their best players, as sad as that was. Um, and yes, he invested a ton in this organization, in this community, but at the end of the day, you save $2 million, which is a big deal or could be a big deal uh, later on in the offseason. Again, this does not have to be spent tomorrow. It can it can be used to buy a veteran off the streets in December or something like that. So you save the money, and also you don't expect this offense to punt all that much. He made a few mistakes as a holder last year. While he's still a good punter, I think that given the amount of times that you're going to punt this year... I feel fine plugging and playing a cheaper option back there. As hard as it is for a franchise guy, you know, a guy who you look for that's going to be in the Ring of Honor one day that you love, a fan favorite, you know, doing community events and whatnot, I, I feel comfortable plugging and playing a punter uh, in this situation, especially given the limited number of punts that we're going to have this year. You know, that that's a very good point. And again, I, maybe I'm a little too close. I, I've met Dustin Colquitt multiple times. I've done some charity auctions and, and events with him. He is just such an amazing human being, someone who really cares about the community and wants to raise money and make Kansas City a better place. So that's just one of the toughest parts is you're never supposed to get attached to the, to the football player, but Dustin Colquitt was someone that you could easily get attached to because he was so good, not on the field, but but off it as well, just in the community. So it's going to be really sad because, again, I think he may be on another team. I could see him in a different city, different team, and that's going to be tough seeing him in a different jersey. Yeah, the way that his Instagram post read it, it didn't sound like he was retiring. It sounded like he got cut and was going to try to look for other ventures. And it all goes back to what you originally said of, of if the Chiefs do not spend this $2 million, what was this move really for? Because while I think that you know, at the end of the day, it's just a punter on a high-explosive offense, which we assume on the widely majority you know, possessions of this offense, you're going to end either in a field goal or a touchdown. You're not going to end in a punt for most of the time. So I feel comfortable in the business sense plugging and playing any, any punter I want to. But if you don't use this $2 million, this seems like an unnecessary move. While I did predict this to happen before we got the Sammy Watkins restructure, before we got any of the offseason news that we've gotten to this point, it, it is kind of weird that it happens right now instead of at the beginning of the offseason to free up this money. Yeah, yeah. Again, like I said, if the $2 million, if they need that money, if they're up against it and they use it for a, a good cause, then sure. But if that goes to waste, 
you know, it's just going to be sad seeing what could have been. I think he's still a great holder. Everyone always gives him a ton of credit. All the kickers, if you've noticed, Kansas City has always had very, very solid, consistent kickers. Ryan Suckup, uh, Cairo Santos, obviously Harrison Bucker, and a lot of them give credit to Dustin Colquitt. So, uh, you know, it'll be different seeing a new holder back there as well, seeing what they can do. Some of the smaller things that you don't really – um, think about something you take for granted. So that could be an interesting development as well. And that, that's a good point because you, you forget oftentimes about the, the relationship between the holder and the kicker. And it's, it's interesting listening to Pat McAfee, who's, you know, the, really the first punter that's become a personality uh, and the way that, you know, he can be funny and goofy and whatnot, but whenever he gets down to actually breaking down the game and breaking down the kicking aspect of the game, it's really easy to, look past how difficult that is, how, how much goes into making a field goal or missing a field goal. Yeah, and the punter battle now becomes two guys who look like they should be in daze and confused. At least that was a great movie, so that gives me something <laughs> to look forward to. we got Kenny Powers and then the, uh, the, the eighth grader. I don't even know the guy's name, um, but the guy with the long hair in daze and confused, the young guy. So should be a good battle. And if I'm not mistaken, that Tommy Townsend is the – is the punter from Florida that uh, last year in week zero against Miami like faked the punt for 66 yards and a touchdown or something like that? You know, faked the punt on fourth down and just ran for a touchdown. That sold me right there. Just go ahead and give him the job. I don't uh, care at this point. Well, was that the Kenny Powers-looking one or the uh, Days and Confused-looking one? I think he's the Kenny Powers-looking one. Well, he, he looks like a badass. So as long as he has some Kenny Power mannerisms, I think I may be rooting for him. And I do miss, I will miss the, the mic'd up Dustin Colquitt. Sneaky good mic'd up guy. <laughs> Sneaky good mic'd up guy, Dustin Colquitt. Which is not something you ever expect to say about a punter. <laughs> this is, again, if, if someone somehow found this as not a Chiefs fan, they would be wondering how we just spent eight minutes on a punter. Hey, it's a good eight minutes. The best eight minutes in sports, I would say. Just... But I, I, I wanted to give an opportunity here. To update our Clyde Edwards Hillier takes, we've slept on it. it we, we literally recorded the podcast not five minutes after the Chiefs made the, select, the selection. You can hear that on the Rapid Reaction edition last week. He's going to wear 25, which I don't like, but I want to get your opinion on that first. The uh, 25, does that bother you that he's going to wear that? Because it bothers me. It only bothers me if he did not talk to Jamal Charles first. And, and again, it's one of those things where the number's not retired. I, I don't want to say maybe he didn't know, but at the same time, maybe he didn't know that Jamal Charles was 25. I know that may sound crazy, but if he wasn't a Chiefs fan growing up, you know, do you remember every single, you know, outstanding player's number? Maybe not. So maybe he picked it without really thinking. Again, he's a young guy. Cut him some slack on this. Again, I have a pretty good feeling he probably reached out to Jamal, and Jamal probably said, you know what, I'm cool with it. I don't think it's a massive deal. Um, I, I don't want to, you know, go after a rookie and make him feel unwelcome because of a jersey number. Yeah, I have more problem with, like, the organization side of it than him. He can pick whatever number he wants to. But I just feel like as an organization, it's it's a little bit too fresh of a wound, I guess, for me to, to, to give his number away right now. But nonetheless, uh, the overall take, though, on, on him – uh, have you changed it all since that Thursday night of if you like the pick or don't like the pick or however you may fall? 
So, again, he's going to be a stud. He's going to be an absolute monster in this offense. Uh, I think he, he if, if you have, if you play fantasy football, he is going to be an absolute stud in fantasy football. But my thing is, again, with Brashad Breeland, which we'll touch on later, you know, he's already going to be sus- uh, suspended four games for some other uh, incidents. It makes cornerback even that more pressing. I do think a couple of other running backs probably could have, you know, thrived in this offense. Maybe not to the same as a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but the the drop off from uh, a, a rookie top level rookie cornerback compared to you know the undrafted guys or whatever it is we got compared to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or you know some of the other great running backs, Cam Akers, whoever it would be in or Zach Moss, you know, in the draft. I, I don't know if there's that big of a gap. Again, I love Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think he's going to be a stud, but I don't know if the value was really there. But he's in Kansas City. I wish him the best, and I'm all in. I'm all on board on CEH right now. And that's just what I wanted to reiterate from Thursday, is that neither one of us agreed that that was the right decision to make. But we both agree he's going to be awesome. We're all going to root for him. I I would throw a little bit of money on him to win Rookie of the Year. As as long as Joe Burrow does not go scorched earth in Cincinnati. If Joe Burrow has a a good, not great year, and... And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire lights it up in this offense like we expect him to. I could see him getting the Rookie of the Year nod. So, I think on the field production-wise, he's going to look good. The problem is what you said. I can get that production, I feel like, from a lot of different guys. I think I can get that from a lot of different guys. And so I don't like spending that first-round pick on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire whenever I think that you had much bigger issues. Much bigger topics, you know, much bigger discussions to have than that running back. Yeah, I will say I've seen some pretty good arguments for it. My Twitter was blowing up after I tweeted about it. And some some people had some good rebuttals. Some said maybe because, um, y- you know, with uh, the shortened offseason, trying to teach a, a rookie cornerback spag system can be tough. Maybe they, they thought CEH – uh, can grasp Andy Reid's complex offense better than some of the other running backs. You know, maybe there, there's a lot of things that go in it. You know, the the, the fifth round um, option or the fifth year option could play a big factor because that probably means they're not going to give you know him the long term big money second contract again. Kind of weird drafting a first round guy to not give him a second contract, but that kind of is your best bang for your buck when it comes to running backs. So I've seen some pretty good arguments on both sides of it. So I just thought that was pretty interesting right there. Yeah. And I don't think that no matter how good he is, that this is a position that you can give out, you know, a second contract to him Uh, because while we don't know what, what the chiefs will look like in four or five years, because believe it or not, things can change on a dime in the NFL. You got to figure that you're still paying Mahomes. What happens with Chris Jones? Will he still be here in, in four or five years? Probably not, I would say. But there's a lot of question marks and people you need to pay before you get to the running back position in a maybe still Andy Reid offense that you can really plug and play a lot of guys in there and get the production. But overall, as a as a vacuumed argument of will he be good or will he not be good? Great pick. He's going to be great in this offense, I think. And and I think that you know a, after taking a step back from the DeAndre Swift, uh, you know my, my my blinders on for DeAndre Swift. I, I think that that he's going to be an amazing fit in Kansas City. And and you know now I I side with you on Thursday. You said that you know if they were going to go running back, he was the guy you wanted. Yeah. I wanted Swift, but after this happened, I side with you now. Of okay, yeah, he was the running back to take if you're going to go running back. So he's going to be great in a vacuum. Yeah. But if you look at the value of the pick and, and, and what you could have done, 
I just don't like the value at 32. Yeah, I think these are all fair points. Again, yeah, he was my RB1. I think a big tipping point for me is I don't think he's going to demand a lot of touches. He, he understands his role, what he's coming into. He played in a similar role in LSU with Joe Burrow, all those lethal wide receivers. He was an option one. He won't be option one in Kansas City. So I think he already has that in his mind. He had to protect Joe Burrow on pass protections. Now you got to protect Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think there's a lot of comparisons to be, uh, to be made in this situation. So I want to shift over to our favorite Chiefs picks. You know, not... And and he's all obviously excluded from this, but in the rest of the draft, mine has to be Willie Gay Jr., the linebacker. I think he's so athletic. I think he has so much upside and potential uh, that I always said that the, the linebacker position was you know the biggest area of need for me. And I think that while he's going to be a little bit of a project, especially in this weird off season where we don't know when we can get these guys into camp and how we can teach them, especially a guy who's who's again going to be a project they need to teach. I do think eventually we'll see him be a stud linebacker. Yeah, I mean, Willie Gay Jr., absolute stud. From all accounts, uh, I I got messaged a lot when I was on air. I talked about him probably two months ago. I mean, when I was still doing my daily show before the quarantine and everything set in, people were talking about Willie Gay Jr. and how he would be a good fit in Kansas City. Of course, they get him. I already did a little bit of research on him, and I I love that pick. But I think my – um, favorite pick, maybe Lucas Niang, the tackle from TCU. You, you know, was it zero sacks his final three years starting at TCU? Chase Young uh, said he was the toughest guy to go up against. Uh, I did a in-depth dive on Lucas Niang, and a lot of experts were saying his worst game was against Ohio State. I looked at that tape against Chase Young, and he looked good if that is his worst tape I mean Kansas City you're in for a tackle of the future right here and I got really excited with this pick as well and you wrote a great article about that over on arrowheadaddict.com which you can go find over there he would be my second choice I'm just in love with 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 freak athletes because I I just I think that Willie Gay can do amazing things but you're right I think that they drafted a guy in Lucas Niang that that is going to be your building block in the trenches for 10 years. I mean, for as long as his body will hold up, he's going to be there, I think. I compared him. Okay, this is a bad comparison. You got, people won't like it, but I, I said Cam Irving, not the way he plays, but Cam Irving in his size. The size is extremely similar by the exact same 6'6", 315. I, I think we're going to see Niang maybe in the Cam Irving role this year. The backup tackle, the swing guy, if an injury happens, you throw Niang in there, but you can also play him at guard. I, I, I think we may see Niang at guard. Again, that's a massive guard, but I think we may see him there because Fisher and Schwartz are just so entrenched at tackle, but you want to get him some reps on the field. So I think he may see more playing time at least this year uh, at guard. And I think that, well, let me ask you, since you did the deep dive and everything, do you think that he'll play a ton this year at that guard spot, or do you think that he'll kind of be the swing guy? Swing guy. I I think that he fits much better just size-wise, the way he can move laterally, even at that size. He, He makes way more sense at tackle. Again, Kansas City saw what happens when Fisher went out. You know, Schwartz, even though he only missed a couple snaps, you see how the offense 
I don't want to say struggle, but you, you saw the pressure Mahomes was under. Andy Reid, Veach does not want that to happen again, not to your franchise. So I love the fact they, you know, put some resources into getting uh, at least a great backup and then probably the potential heir to the tackle. And this obviously fills what I wanted. On Thursday, I was talking about, hey, you know, even beyond linebacker, even beyond cornerback, if you did want to surround Mahomes with more weapons, offensive line is a weapon, and we don't know how long Mitchell Schwartz will be around. We just don't. I mean, he's getting up there in age. He could play for one more year, two more years, or maybe surprise us all and play for five more years. But the bottom line is he's coming close to the end of his career, I think. Eric Fisher is a good tackle, but he's not irreplaceable. I love this pick. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So one of my favorite things to do at any time, uh, but especially during quarantine, is to look at the, the you know the betting scene and the early over-unders came out for the NFL. Who knows how many games we're going to play? Who knows when they're going to start? But they do have betting odds right now. First, the schedule. For those of you that don't know, on the road, the Chiefs will take on the division and then, of course, the Ravens, Bills, Dolphins, Saints, and Bucks. At home, they'll take on the Falcons, Panthers, Texans, Patriots, and Jets. And, of course, the, the rest of the division. Tough home schedule. For, yeah. for if we can have fans there, tough home schedule. I think tough schedule in general. I think that away, that road is going to be extremely tough as well. I know people were saying, you know, again, I could see 13-plus wins again from Kansas City. That's not what I'm disagreeing with. But my thing is, this is a tough schedule. Ravens, Bills, Saints, and Bucks. That's the road. Those are four playoff teams. The Dolphins, as we know, they play tough, and they just got Tua. Uh, they got a, by the way, the Dolphins did a lot this uh, draft, so the Dolphins are going to be much improved. Falcons, they were bad last year. They still scare me. They still have Matt Ryan. Panthers, they're going to be bad. Texans have Deshaun Watson. Pats will probably be bad, but still Bill Belichick. Who knows if he has some Belichick magic in there. Jets, I still think maybe getting a little slept on. I think they could be uh, relatively improve, improved if Sam Darnold does not get mono again. So just to clarify, I meant if you're a season if you're a season ticket holder, tough tough games to get. You know, I don't really care about watching the Falcons. I don't really care about watching the the, the Patriots without Tom Brady. Don't really care about watching the current day Panthers. The only marquee game you get at home is the Texans, and then of course you know your division rivals and whatnot. But. Uh, well, I my, think that the, the home stretch is your easy stretch in terms of winning games, but you're good. <laughs> my bad, dude. I thought you were talking about tough as in like tough No, schedule. I appreciate like, you picking me up, though, because you were trying your hardest to say, oh, yeah, that's a tough stretch. you know. And then you try to make the excuse for the Falcons being good and the, <laughs> and the Jets possibly being good. I appreciate the, the, the camaraderie there, you know, but, Riley, but I did trying, just mean, man. you know, if you're a season ticket holder. I'm trying to help no, you. No, <laughs> that's a good teammate. That's a good teammate right there. You didn't want to throw me under the bus. You, you thought I was just crazy and thought that the Falcons were going to run off a, a, you know, a 10-6 and six season. <sighs> but... No, it's okay. It's okay. Dude, I'm not Ray Lewis. I'm not going to throw you under the bus over here, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, if we can have fans, that, that's what I was alluding to, if the, the we can have fans. That's a tough, that's a tough uh, season ticket uh, you know, to, to pay for getting to see Matt Ryan, J- uh, Jarrett Stidham, Teddy Bridgewater, and Sam Darnold. Yeah. But of course, you do get that marquee matchup uh, with Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Uh, but this schedule is interesting, though, especially the road schedule. I mean, there are so many good matchups on the schedule, and that's what happens whenever you finish first in the division because you're going to play the other top teams, and then you know it just kind of matters on where the rotation is, though, for the other divisions. Uh, but the over-under set at 11.5 wins. We don't know the weeks they'll play, which is a big deal whenever you're predicting wins, obviously, when you're going to get that bye week. Who do you have back-to-back? But just off of the names alone on paper, do they go 
better than 11 wins or worse than 11 wins? They go better. I mean, I think Kansas City is the best team in the NFL. They will be favored in every single game except maybe on the road against the Ravens and maybe uh, on the road against the Saints. Um, the Bucks, I would be surprised, although, you know, there's so many Tom Brady stands. You know, maybe that affects the money line, but even that would be surprising. They're going to be favored in probably almost every single game. I got to think they win over 11 games. Right now, my early, I guess, thought to be 12 and 4. You know, I think 12 and 4 is very, very realistic. They're, they're going to lose a game here or there just based on. It just happens. You know, the Titans game, when everything goes against you. That, 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 those things happen every single year. Yeah, that, that's totally the correct way to look at this because you have to pencil in a few bad losses, you know, and, and bad by, you probably should have won that game. And they got to pencil in a few losses that you didn't expect to happen like that and then a few losses to good teams. So I think that they are, I would, if I had to bet right now, I'd bet over on this 11.5 number. Um, you know, I was all in on the Jets last year. I'm no longer, you know, as bullish on the Jets. They kind of scorned me last year. I don't believe in Jarrett Stidham, so if that's the way that they're truly going to go here, then I'm going to count the Patriots out in terms of running up against the Chiefs. Uh, and then all you got to do at home, you know, from there, is beat the two teams you should, Falcons and, and Panthers, find a way to beat Bill O'Brien again, which isn't hard at all, and then you take care of your division, which Andy Reid is, is amazing at, impeccable at taking care of the division. So I think this is a lock for over. Uh, but that road schedule does scam me. The Dolphins have played tough, and they've installed a, a great culture there, uh, even going back to last year, hoping the Chiefs get that bye week. Uh, so the road schedule is a bit of a toss-up, but I still think they easily get above 11 wins, of course, barring injury and all the other qualifiers you have to throw out there. Yeah, I mean, last year I picked the Chiefs to go 12-4 and four and win the Super Bowl. Uh, they went 12-4 and four and won the Super Bowl. I, I think if my early predictions right now would be 12-4 and four and win the Super Bowl back-to-back. Back-to-back jacks, you're on a hot streak right now. So what you're saying is we should take your future bets. I mean, who hit last year? Your boy did. I will say I had them playing the Saints. My preseason was Chief Saints. I still think the Saints are the best team in the NFC. I'm still standing by that. So what we're talking about home and road right now and breaking up the schedule, I want to throw this in there. If we can't have fans you know, at the games, you know, if this is still happening where we cannot – Fill up 100,000 people. Does it benefit good teams or bad teams? Or does it benefit nobody? I don't really think it benefits either team. The home team still has the advantage of not traveling. The home team still has the advantage of, uh, you know, going through your usual routine. You know, being able to know your field. I'm sure there's a – it's like, you know, like baseball. I mean, baseball, you, you know, you kind of build your team for, for the certain uh, – Elements. I'm sure a lot of teams do a similar thing in the NFL. The home team will still have a big advantage, but as far as good or bad teams, I don't think there is a um, huge difference either way. What do you think? I think that you're right, and I think that the only sport that really matters about fans is basketball. There's there's not enough action in football and baseball. You know, although we consider football a very high you know high high motion, high impact sport, there's not enough action consecutively. Uh, to where fans can really pile on a team. Uh, you might force a delay of game, but most of the time that even doesn't even get called. You know, it'll be on zero, and they're still going to snap the ball. Uh, so you might force a delay of game. Yeah, and false starts. So so you take away a couple penalties here and there. I think in basketball, though, you can fans can force teams to make errors and, and really just compile the problem, especially at the college level. Uh, but you know you can really you can really rattle a team 
Uh, I don't think that that happens a lot in the NFL. Uh, where teams are just shocked and, and shell shocked by the by even Arrowhead. Well, unless you're uh, but, John Elway. Well, John Elway is. Yeah, yeah. And Philip Rivers, you know, and Philip Rivers is now out of the out of the division. So if you're Philip Rivers or John Elway, I think you can you can get shell shocked in Arrowhead. And look, I know Chiefs fans take Arrowhead seriously. This is not saying that that it doesn't matter. Period. I'm saying it doesn't it doesn't exactly swing the needle for me. I'm not going to give the Chiefs an extra home loss because they don't have fans. It helps. It energizes the team. But ultimately, I do not think that it, it it directly correlates to wins or losses, in my opinion. They can th- the players can say, "Hey, we got more energy. Let's relax." You had the same amount of energy. Now, now you felt better with the fans, and that's what I think is going to be weird. Is is there's does we do we have that same feeling watching the game without hearing the eruption of Arrowhead Stadium, without without kind of experiencing it in Arrowhead Stadium or or, or anything like that? Do we have that same feeling in, in terms of wins and losses and on the field product? I think we get the same product. Yeah, tomahawk chop. That's going to be weird to not hear. Maybe now we get a little uh, rock and roll part two. Maybe people at home will start playing that after touchdowns, bring that back. Who knows? And if you're the Chiefs, all right, let's just work under the, the assumption that there's no fans. Excuse me. So if you're the Chiefs, do you wait for banner night? Do you just wait and, and do it in 2021, even if you even if you are no longer Super Bowl champions? Oh, that's tough. Because, or would you just do it in front of an empty stadium? I mean, because it's there's no good answer here, unless you win the 2021 Super Bowl. That's that's the best answer. <laughs> but you're running that risk of not winning the 2021 Super Bowl. Maybe you do both. I don't know. That that is a very very tough answer. I don't know how you answer that because if they if you just do it, you know, with no fans, it kind of I don't want to say it loses its meaning because obviously the meaning's still there for the players, but it kind of loses some of the. Uh, the fanfare, obviously. But waiting a whole year, that also kind of loses some of its luster, especially if you don't win the Super Bowl uh, this season. Then it really loses some of the luster. So that's a tough question, man. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll defer to you. I, I just want to see what they do. I don't have. I don't think there's a right answer. I, I, I would be fine with the Chiefs doing either, waiting or doing it in an empty stadium, because, you know, for one thing, it's football. You're going to sell out. I mean, th- th- that's not a gimmick to get people to the stands. To the stands. Uh, you know, you might not sell out every Royals game, but you're going to sell out banner night. So there's, so in the sense of, you know, selling tickets, you're going to have that moment forever. You know, you're going to have that stadium full forever. Uh, it will suck, though, for fans to not get to experience it because a lot of the fun is, you know, you can go to any Chiefs game you want to and it's going to sell out, but... A lot of the fun is saying, hey, I was there for Banner Night. I was there whenever they raised the banner for a Super, for a Super Bowl live. So I'm kind of torn. Again, I think that the Chiefs can do this any way they want to, and, and, and no one can really criticize them. Would it look like they were, quote-unquote, losers for saving the, the banner till we can actually enjoy it with fans? I don't think so. I mean, th- it might be some memes depending on how the season goes, maybe if they lose the Super Bowl in heartbreaking fashion or something like that. But I, I don't see how you can knock a team for saying, hey, there's no fans this year, so we're going to wait and do it whenever we can experience it with, with our fan base. The, the problem for me is a lot of these players we talked about will not be back next year. We don't think Watkins will be back, who played a huge role in that playoff run. We don't think Brashad Breland will be back, who played a huge role in that playoff run. So you're getting further and further removed from the guys who directly impacted and directly you know, caused that, that victory. Yeah, very good point. Colquitt better be there. <laughs> I better. Oh yeah, Col- Colquitt's been here 15 years. 
I don't care if he's on a different team. I don't care if he's on Denver. I don't care if he's on the Raiders. I don't think he would do it. But I'm just saying, I don't care what team he's on. Colquitt needs to be in Kansas City for, uh, for that celebration because 15 years, you know, toiling on a bad team, dude, dude earned this. And then you also run into the question of what should you do about ring night. Now, that doesn't happen at the stadium the way it does for basketball and baseball. Uh, but, you know, teams always come together before training camp or before guys have to go to their different teams and, you know, hand out the rings and you get cool videos and cool stories and cool pictures from that event. We're not going to get that this year. I mean, we're not going to be able to, to congregate. The, the second we're able to congregate, we're going to have to go to training camp and, and do all these things. So what happens with the rings? I mean, when, when do they hand out these rings and when are we going to get to see what these rings look like and things like that? There's a lot up in the air for the Chiefs to finally have won a Super Bowl. And we have all these questions about how we get to celebrate it. It's kind of hilarious to me. Chiefs win and it ca- and it causes a national pandemic. Kind of worth it though. <laughs> I might pay this price again if you tell me, "Hey, lock in, lock in." Chiefs won a Super Bowl in February, but you're going to be quarantined from March until May. Eh, I might do it. I might do it. I'm not touching that one for the ten foot po- uh, with the ten foot pole. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I trust Mahomes to, to to get us a Super Bowl without me having to do that. But uh, how mad is the NFL? Real quick before we move on, that it just so happens that the Bucks game is on the road. Because if that game was in Arrowhead, that would absolutely be the Thursday night season opener, September 10th. Yeah, no, that would be unbelievable. I mean, Bucks Chiefs would literally be unbelievable as the season opener you, you know tom tom brady coming into arrowhead you got gronk again i think the bucks are going to be pretty good they're a playoff team i don't think they're gonna be great but i just think the the history between tom brady and even you know patrick mahomes at this point is just it's so great that'd be an outstanding start to the season unless the patriots sign cam newton it's got to be the texans right that, that's got to be the opener if we're if we're going to stick with this model of having the having the Super Bowl champs open on Thursday nights, which we were going to before all this happened, but you know if we're going to stick to that model where it's an isolated game, it's got to be the Texans, right? I mean, that's the only option. I would assume it's going to be the Texans. I guess I mean honestly, your second best option may be the Pats, just based on the history between Belichick and, and Reed and these two teams recently, but without Tom Brady, there's not much of a draw. I don't think you want to see Jared Stidham opening up the season. So I think Deshaun Watson and Mahomes, I think that'd be your, your best draw if you are the NFL. And, and maybe the Chargers, because they do have Drew Locke, so you can showcase you know the newest rookie, you know a top 10 pick. But the draw is going to be the Texans, especially if we're all at home. It's especially if all we can do is watch TV that's the game you want to watch, you know, and at that point we'd be, we'd be starving for any content. So we, we would watch the, the Browns take on the, you know, Dolphins on, on prime time and, and we'd be ecstatic. And that was not a good example because that actually would be an interesting game. But nonetheless, <laughs> uh, we would watch any sort of football uh, at that point. But let's move on to a different topic here. And that is the fact that Rashad Breland was arrested for resisting arrest, having open alcohol in his vehicle. Some marijuana in his vehicle, driving around without a license. He tweeted on, you know, I think last night, early this morning, uh, that, you know, a couple guys threw the stuff in his car and ran away, and he was, you know, the one cop by the police. He thinks, you know, he says he's innocent until proven guilty, uh, but he was already facing a four-game suspension for substance abuse, which was reported by NFL Network. 
He was appealing that suspension, and apparently every team knew that that was looming during free agency. So maybe that was a part of the reason why he didn't get a long-term offer. We talked about how strange that was a couple weeks ago. But the bottom line here is there's not a lot to speculate on. There, you know, there really shouldn't be speculation involving law enforcement, and we saw how poorly that ended in, ended in Kansas City last time. So I don't want to do any of that speculation, but you brought it up earlier this show. If he's suspended for four games, six games, eight games, what happens in that cornerback room, do you think? Man, that's going to be it's going to be tough. You know, I know they're high on I think it's a couple of undrafted guys that they uh, you know, got post-draft. So, I'm sure that's probably option A. Again, we'll see what happens with the shot brilliant in that four-game suspension. He is uh, apparently appealing it. Who knows how this will turn out? For all we know, maybe the new CBA helps his appeal. That could probably be, you know, maybe a plus of the new CBA. So, again, we don't want to speculate too much because of how everything happened during the Tyree Kill um, incident, all, all that stuff going on. So, we don't want to speculate too much here. But, you know, it's one of those wait and see. Let's just wait and see until all the facts come out, and then we'll make a, a decision. But uh, as of now, it looks like he is probably going to face that four-game suspension. I just want to try to, to, to quantify how, how big of a loss this potentially could be. Um, I think it's clear that he's going to get some suspension, uh, not only you know, even unrelated to this you know, arrest incident. Uh, I think that you, know, you never see a, a player you know, appeal a suspension and then end up getting nothing. You know, usually it goes from four to two or something. Uh, but let's just put a random number on it and just say it is four. Does that, do you think that that costs the Chiefs a win, or, or do you trust the likes of Antonio Hamilton, Rashad Fenton, Javaris Davis, who they just drafted from Auburn. Do you trust that cornerback room without Rashad Breland? I almost want to say, do I trust them as, you know, the, the unproven guys? I almost want to say no, but will it matter? Will that cause the Chiefs to lose? No. You know, I, I don't think not having Breland is going to all of a sudden make this Chiefs you know, giving up an extra 14 points a game. It depends on who's in these first four games, who, what teams they are. But you have Mahomes. You have this elite offense. You still have a pretty dang good defense. I, I wouldn't be too, too scared. If worst came to worst, maybe you throw in Matthew in the slot and you move Fitton outside just so you have some more uh, experience, which is crazy to say a sixth-round rookie last year may be your second most <laughs> experienced corner at this time. Uh, but, you know, I think there's a way that Spags will make it work. Am I being too simplistic in the fact that I don't care about, you know, the suspension and whatnot? It's not, again, it's not our place to speculate. I don't know what actually happened on the scene. I also don't know what actually happened with the substance abuse. Am I being too simple in saying as long as he's back for the playoffs, it's, it doesn't matter? It, it, for the Chiefs and, and on the football field, as long as he's playing in the playoffs, they're going to be fine. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, unless you're playing these top teams, unless for some reason Mahomes gets hurt for some reason, if, you know, you get decimated on the defense. But, I mean, let's be real here. The Chiefs were decimated with injuries last year, including Mahomes, including Eric Fisher, including Tyree Kill. And they were still able to, to bounce back and make it work. Let's be real. Juan Thornhill was playing extremely well last year. He gets hurt. No one knew what was going to happen. Spags and the Chiefs 
found a way to make it work. They will find a way to make four games work if it comes to that uh, with, with Bashad Breland missing those, if that's the case. And you even look at the schedule, the, the tough teams you're facing, you know, Lamar Jackson's going to kill you on the ground. He's going to kill you regardless. It doesn't matter if, he, if, if Breland's there or not. The Ravens are going to put up points. You know, it doesn't matter who, who's that cornerback. But mostly they're going to do it on the ground. Bills, Josh Allen, he's not going to pick you apart. I mean, he's going to have a good game. That defense is really good for the Bills. But Josh Allen's not going to just obliterate the secondary room uh, without Brashad Breeland. The Saints are the team that's going to capitalize on this. I don't even think that the Bucks, although they have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, whatever's left of Gronk, whatever's left of Brady, I don't think that even they pick apart the defense. Uh, I don't think that's just who Brady is anymore. And then you have the Texans who linger around and can do that, but they also have a terrible head coach. So at the end of the day, this suspension, as long as it's not literally the entire year, including playoffs, this does not influence my win total of, of you know making me back off that over 11.5 bet. No, me either. It, let's, if it is for some reason longer than we think, I'm sure Veach will, uh, will find a way to make something work. And... You know, just putting it out there, after you do cut, you know, Dustin Cole, Quick and save $2 million, you already had, I think, I, I could be wrong, but I think I read $4 million before this move. Uh, so that adds on to it. You could get a veteran or cornerback who's going to want to, who hasn't had that opportunity yet to sign somewhere, and it's kind of getting to that end of the line in an uncertain offseason, who's going to want to join a, a, a championship-ready team, a team that just won the championship and is set up to win multiple championships uh, heading forward. Great time to be the Chiefs fan, by the way. Oh, great time! <laughs> Couldn't be. You know what, though? We we deserve this. Come on, now. We had to suffer through so much. We've had to suffer through, you know, having no quarterback. We've suffered through Dustin Colquitt being the best player. We've had to suffer suffer through having the best offense, only to have uh, the worst defense multiple times in multiple different cases in this uh, long, long suffering era that we've been in so you know come on we deserve some some happiness right now oh, the, the chiefs were the most tortured fan base i think I, people love to say the lions the chiefs prior to mahomes were the most tortured fan base and you know your team's getting good whenever as soon as anyone publicly comments about the chiefs you know on a big forum there's someone you know there's some random person on the internet that just says bandwagon without ever knowing the person you know the other person talking about the chiefs they just say bandwagon now everyone assumes that every chiefs fan is a bandwagon fan and that's how you know this team is elite and this team is built to last for a long time oh no that's a that's actually an outstanding point right there the, the new golden state warriors oh yeah this this team is going to frustrate people and what's going to make them even more upset is that Mahomes is so likable. He's going to rip apart your team for 10 to 15 more years, and he is going to smile while doing it. He's going to make you laugh while doing it. He's going to be so exciting. He is so likable. And, you know, you could you could find things personally about Tom Brady that you didn't like. I guarantee you, you cannot find something personally about Patrick Mahomes that you do not like. It's kind of like Steph Curry. I, I, I think Steph Curry is kind of a similar similar boat I feel like it's tough to hate on Steph Curry. I mean, people do, but I think Steph Curry is a pretty good dude off and off the court, or on and off the court. I think you can kind of make that comparison. Absolutely, and 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 they're on the same trajectory, right? Because Steph Curry and that Warriors team was beloved. I mean, they're so fun for the game. They're so exciting, and, and they start winning. Uh, okay, then they get Kevin Durant. Okay, now now it's no longer fun. The Chiefs are going to win 
and win big and continue to win that the no look pass go from exciting to frustrating for other for other fan bases. Yeah, no, it's uh, you know, the Warriors changed the game, the Chiefs are changing the game. I don't think Kansas City has a Draymond Green though. Yeah, someone who can really irritate you. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like other fan bases may and say Travis Kelsey the Thunder a a whole series, but whatever. <laughs> God, I hate him. <laughs> On the court, of course. My is a great guy, but it's God. Yeah. yeah. They blew a 3-1 lead, Sterling. How do you blow? Oh, my goodness. Enough about the Thunder, though. <laughs> it's just so frustrating. Unbelievable. Now, but, I, know, now I know where to uh, where to turn to when I want to piss you off. Yeah, you know, the the Thunder and Mavericks, you can you can really irritate me. Because before the Thunder moved to Oklahoma City, I was a huge Mavericks fan. So th- those are two areas. You know, bring up the Dwayne Wade... 50,000 free throws in the 2006 finals. He didn't deserve a single free throw in that finals. He got 50 million of them in one series. Ridiculous. Dirk Nowitzki should have two titles in his career, but it's it's fine. It doesn't matter. And he, want, he wanted to cough and act like Dirk Nowitzki was faking the flu. Dirk Nowitzki came out the next night and busted both LeBron and Dwayne Wade. So take that with oh, those yeah. two banana boat lovers. But nonetheless... <laughs> Turn this into a, turn this into a NBA podcast. Yeah, but, dude, Nowitzki rants with uh, with Ryland over here. <laughs> hey, that's what you can get from the Aerodynamic Podcast. You know, every week I'll have a little Nowitzki nugget for you. But some NFL news is that the Saints signed Jameis Winston, and this move was funny before this. But he met with the media today over Zoom. He said today, and I'm not making this up. He I, he said, and the and the guy that tweeted at a blue check mark. I'm not getting fooled. He said. After the after the LASIK surgery, I can see license plates in front of me while I'm driving. Okay, Barry. How how could you not see license plates before? So I will say I will I will I will give him this. Maybe his doctor say because I I didn't know about this either. But sometimes you have to wait until you're a certain age, around 26 or so, to you know actually be able to get LASIK to be eligible. So maybe he's just now eligible or, or um, you know, a- able to get LASIK. So maybe it wasn't always James's fault for not getting it again. It sounds kind of like a scary procedure. I would probably be scared. But, yeah, if you can't see license plates, you probably can't see the difference in people's jersey colors. Oh, yeah, that, that's what I mean. How, how were you playing football at even a remotely quality level? Because... I, I wear contacts and glasses, and, you know, I didn't know any better, so I, I didn't know I couldn't see until, like, the sixth grade. I was very late at catching the fact that, hey, I can't see anything. Uh, and he's not lying to you. The world opens up to you, and you see street signs and things differently uh, once you have your contacts and glasses. I can't imagine, you know, having, I assume that if he had LASIK surgery, he had contacts and glasses before this. I can't imagine having, you know, things to help you see and still not being able to see license plates and things like that, and still being good enough to be a five-star recruit, a national champion, a, a, a top-two pick in the draft, that puts into context just how good he is. If you really want to take away the jokes and things like that, that's incredible. If you couldn't see license plates and you're, and you're diagnosing defenses and playing quarterback? So you're saying Jameis Winston is taking uh, over for Drew Brees this year and throwing 5K, 50 touchdowns, and 10 picks? If Okay, if Drew Brees goes down like he normally does and, and, and misses two, three, five games, 
Would you be shocked if James Winston plugs in and just lights it up? Well, no, because New Orleans is a very good team. If Teddy Bridgewater, who I think is the definition of about average, can go undefeated, I think Jameis Winston can. For sure. I think that he can play extremely well. He he has the talent, and it seems like he literally just couldn't see it, and the jokes were actually facts, because he does have talent, you know, football-wise. Uh, but if you can't see license plates, and again, that's from Greg uh, Allman of The Athletic, uh, who covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, but if you cannot see license plates, how can you truly expect him to play at a high level? And I do want to know, though, if, if he is just now getting LASIK and didn't have any prior contacts or classes, or if he had contacts and still couldn't see them. Well, because wanna, that's wild to me, that your vision can be that bad. I do want to say this. Didn't Steph Curry or something at one point say he couldn't see, and like this year or the year before he got LASIK and nothing changed in his game? The same time, Jameis Winston, he's been playing football for so long. You, you know, I'm sure this probably isn't as big of a factor as we are making it. I know we're making this seem like a massive deal, but let's be real. This guy's been playing football like this his whole life. Yes, it probably helps and him still been see. very good at, at times. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I'm sure it helps him see, but does it really make that big of a difference when you, you, you know, your body's not necessarily, it's like almost going through the motions in a way. The motion's already there. The motions aren't changing. It's not going to change his, uh, you know, his arm angles. It's not going to change, you know, how he throws the deep ball. You know, maybe we are looking into this a little bit more than we should. Yeah, and that's a good point because you, you do adjust to, to what you know. And like I said, I mean, being until sixth grade and not know that you need contacts is a long time. I had just adjusted to what I, what I thought what seeing was. So, you know... I didn't get exponentially better at anything after I got contacts. I just was able to see better. Uh, and the point about Steph Curry is a good one because, you know, he's an elite player. He just adjusted his game. So, okay, if I see a blurry rim, I, I still can shoot the ball. And now I see a clear rim, it doesn't matter. I, I still know how to shoot the ball. So yeah. you're right. It, it is a funny story to me, and, and this will continue if he does light it up, and it will be an even funnier story. Uh, but just because of this, I would not bet on him being a good quarterback. I, I think that the... The bet would be if you still believe in his arm talent and you believe a change of scenery can help. But I, I don't think that he's going to miraculously be worthy of that top pick, you know, just because he had eye surgery. No. I, I, again, I, I think he's going to be – his peak is going to be Philip Rivers-esque. You know, a guy who can throw a lot of touchdowns, get a lot of yards, but will throw a lot of interceptions. Because let's be real, wouldn't we have probably thought before Jameis, the, uh, the, the best guy to have a chance for a 30-30 season with 5,000 yards – Probably Phillip Rivers, right? Oh, yeah, totally. And, and I think that that's where Jameis, you know, kind of gets – we haven't seen his career unfold, but I think that, it, that that might be the tale of his career is that we no longer want Phillip Rivers in this league. I mean, Phillip Rivers created a niche for himself in San Diego and L.A. of a Chargers fan favorite. Jameis couldn't do that in Tampa Bay, so they're going to bypass him. And now, as you bounce around to different organizations – why would I settle for Jameis Winston whenever I can just take a shot at the next guy? Even if everyone thinks that, that Justin Herbert's not going to be good, or Daniel Jones is not going to be good, or Dwayne Haskins is not going to be good. All, all guys who were drafted high in the first round that no one thought was going to be good, let's just take the shot on anyway because we know what Jameis Winston is. We don't know what they are. And yeah. since he didn't ca- carve out a path of being a fan favorite that, that at least people would complain about him leaving, then I think that he'll just start bouncing around Unless this eye surgery does make him an elite quarterback, which it won't. So I think that he'll turn into now a journeyman and, and maybe a good backup who can fill in if, if guys get hurt. 
everybody wants to know what the unknown is. Everybody, they don't care if you if they think you're going to be bad. They at least want to find out that you're going to be bad. It's it's that one percent potential that goes ooh. But what if he he unlocks this or he unlocks this? I think Jameis Winston's probably would you say top twenty quarterback in the NFL? I think so. He's not starting because people want to find the what ifs. Because people, people, I think, know he's better than Daniel Jones right now. He's probably better than Sam Darnold. He's probably better than Tyrod Taylor, better than Justin Herbert. But people, they don't know what those guys' ceiling could be. They think they've already seen Jameis's. So they want to know what the unknown is. And, and there's arrogance with it, too. I mean, yeah, you don't think Mitch Trubisky can be good, or you don't think that Justin Herbert can be good, but I see on tape as a young prospect, if I get him in my system, I'll change him. It's like if you want to change your spouse. You think, okay, for, forget the terrible flaws they have. As long as I can get him in my system, I'll change them and make them a perfect quarterback. That's not going to happen. The, the, the tape is the tape. They're either good or they're bad. That's it. it. Do you watch Arrested Development? Oh, yeah. It, it's like an open relationship. It never works. <laughs> And we always yeah, say never. it could work for them, but it could work for us. You know, it, it, everyone always thinks it's going to be different and that it could work for them. Is, is James Winston going to have a stop in Kansas City, do you think, and, and be that backup quarterback where, you know, he doesn't really play, but Andy Reid does that Andy Reid thing where he's like, oh, yeah, this guy's lighting up in practice, so, you know, give him a shot, and then he gets another shot? Or do you think that even, even Andy Reid couldn't transform him the way he transformed Nick Foles? Oh, are you kidding me? Andy Reid could make Kevin Cobb, you know, a viable. Andy <laughs> Reid could literally make, he could put you or me, you know, there, and he'll find a way to win the game. I mean, you could put me out there, and I could throw the ball maybe five yards, and it's going to be a duck. And somehow, you know, the Chiefs will find a way to win. <laughs> and, and what's mo- most interesting about that is not only can he scheme around, you know, say you or me or, or Kevin Cobb or Nick Foles, he has that kind of power uh, and respect that you could not play a game for him and he would convince teams that you're good. I mean, Nick Foles played three games for Kansas City and he convinced the Eagles, hey, hey, get this guy. Get get this guy. Trust me, Doug. You're going to want this guy. Well, Doug takes him to Philadelphia you know, with well, him and, and, <laughs> come and on. it works out. Nick Foles it works out. had a, a pretty Bowl. dang good career. Nick Foles won oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a Super Bowl. He did, but if you remember, there's a reason that he was in Kansas City. His last year was seven touchdowns, ten interceptions. And it didn't go very well with Jeff Fisher and the Rams. And then, you, you know, you, you, get, you get that reset button. You know, he had a nice start, and actually a record-breaking start, you know, we should say, in Philadelphia. I'm no, I know you remember that. Didn't he go? And then he, went he runs into a rough patch in, in... Oh, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. And then he had... Uh, he had that season of 27 and, and two interceptions, 27 touchdowns, two interceptions in 2013. And I think that against the Raiders that year, he set the, you know, he tied the single game touchdown record, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that year against the Raiders. Uh, but, you know, he has that success early on, runs into a rough patch in St. Louis with Jeff Fisher, comes to Kansas City, hits the reset button, gets the good PR, and he's back on track, you know, for whatever it's worth. He's back on track in Philadelphia, winning a Super Bowl, going to Jacksonville, getting a, a huge contract. Ultimately, of course, getting hurt and not being able to finish out that deal in Jacksonville and then having the, the Bears take a chance on him. So Andy Reid can do this with as little as three games. You know, Nick Foles played three games in Kansas City, and he still got him back on track PR-wise. Because, again, there's a reason he was in Kansas City as a backup in 2016. Yeah, no, good point. I mean, 
what's the biggest difference between like Nick Foles and and Sam Bradford? I mean, you know, those, those are probably pretty similar guys, but because you know Andy Reid took a chance with Nick Foles, Nick Foles is still in the NFL. Yeah, he has. It's so amazing, and I, I can't wait until we see like more documentaries or stories, or whatever, and, and Andy Reid open up more about you know what all goes into his process and just how much he truly did change. You know, not the I don't want to say the lives and sound that dramatic, but how much he did change the trajectory of a lot of players' careers uh, of just you know hiding them or using them in a different way or even just speaking positively about them and, and making teams view them as an asset, you know, where they otherwise wouldn't have. Because again, he only played three games, got three touchdowns, no interceptions, played very well in Kansas City, and he was gone. You, and you, he was off to Philadelphia. You could say lives because Nick Foles got a eighty-eight million dollar huge contract. Payday, yeah. <laughs> That's changing his lives life changing. right there. At least him and his family's life, for sure. Uh, but ultimately, though, the Saints signing Jameis is not that interesting. I do think that, can we finally put the rest about this Taysom Hill being a quarterback thing? I, I hated that from the beginning. He's not a quarterback. He's a gimmick. They're not going to look to him after Drew Brees retires. He's not going to be the guy. He's always going to be the gimmick. Special packages, wide receiver, whatever happens. He's not going to be the every-down quarterback, Taysom Hill. Well, this is all what Sean Payton wanted to do. Sean Payton wanted to try to drive his market up. I don't understand the, the long, huge contract. He got two years, $21 million, $16.5 guaranteed. I don't understand it. Then you bring in Jameis Winston, which definitely puts the Taysom Hill as the next franchise quarterback to rest. I mean, yeah. Taysom Hill is, is who he is. A very, very outstanding special teams player. He He's... A below-average wide receiver, a bad quarterback, a below-average running back, a great special teamer. I mean, it, it, that's basically what he is, wouldn't you say? Oh, for sure. I, I And I just cannot stand the fans and, and some media members that were, you know, pushing that narrative of he's going to be the guy. He was never going to be the guy. They use him incredible. And he plays his roles incredible. A Swiss Army knife. He's not a quarterback. And we can finally say... All right, he's not a quarterback now. That the che- that the Saints, you know, bypassed him with Teddy Bridgewater and then did it again here with Jameis Winston. So I do like this move for the Saints. You know, no risk, you know, and high reward possibly if you can get something out of him in this offense. But there's absolutely no risk in taking on Jameis Winston at this point. But I did want to end the show with Wait, a couple quickly. interesting. <laughs> quickly, yeah. uh, Sam Bradford, 32 years old. Nick Foles, 31. I those guys, wow. I feel like. Had very uh, different trajectories. Yes, Sam Bradford got you know a lot of very injury prone, you could say. But Foles had a lot of injuries too. I think Andy Reid is a difference between Nick Foles being Nick Foles and not Sam Bradford. Yeah, Foles did have a lot of injuries. You know, of course, we know last year in St. Louis, I think he ran into an injury problem. I think in Philadelphia, he ran into an injury problem. So yeah, I I think that that kind of just proves that Andy Reid has this kind of power and. It's obviously not going to be Cam Newton this year. He's He wants to go and play. He won't play in Kansas City. But I think that we will see a lot of quarterbacks, even though they're not going to play, just get that get that nice Andy Reid shine on them uh, you know, in the future, as we did see that with Nick Foles and others like that. I mean, Matt Moore. There were people talking about Matt Moore this offseason. <laughs> they don't talk about Matt Moore if he goes and plays for the Chargers. Yeah, no one talks about Matt Moore uh... Yeah, he would still be in Miami do, doing a doing a being a high school coach, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, no one would talk about Matt Moore unless Andy unless Andy Reid, yeah. 
And now they want him for next year as a backup. I mean, unbelievable stuff. Uh, but I did want to end this on a, a, you know a couple draft nuggets that I think are the most sports radio-y conversations to have, of course, is the quarterback. Uh, I want to start with your Eagles. Your Philadelphia Eagles draft Jalen Hurts in the second round, and I just couldn't believe it. They say they went a quarterback factory. Jalen Hurts wasn't even good at OU. If you truly watch him play, he had the numbers, but he was constantly you know, overthrowing CeeDee Lamb, underthrowing CeeDee Lamb, throwing it behind CeeDee Lamb. He had the weapons, he had the coach, and he had you know some productive numbers, but if you watch him play, he did not pass the eye test even at OU. So to spend a second-round pick on him when you already have Carson Wentz is just insane to me. And you can point out the Wentz injury factor, but... He's even if Wentz gets injured, I'm not trusting Jalen Hurts to win games in the NFL. I'm just not. And 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 then people want to point out the the, Tyson, the, the Taysom Hill thing. I don't trust Jalen Hurts to go run routes in the NFL. I, I don't think he can go play wide receiver. He can play running back in the NFL. I don't think he can play wide receiver and, and do some of the crazy things that Hill can do. I don't get this move at all, especially for the value of a second round pick. So uh, my first reaction was very similar to what what yours is right now. But we do have to remember that the Carson Wentz, I don't think it's necessarily all his fault, but he does get injured a lot. And what happens? You need a good backup. Nick Foles is no longer there. You probably don't want to spend the money on getting a extremely good backup. Jalen Hurts, second rounder, you're paying rookie contract deal. We may disagree here. Yes, Jalen Hurts is not going to be uh, an elite quarterback, but Jalen Hurts has been in a winning system you know, his entire life from, from Bama to OU. And you could say, you know, he doesn't have the arm that some of the other guys have, but he wins. He gets it done. And if you're Carson Wentz, maybe you take him under his wing. You know he's not going to take uh, the job away from you. But I don't hate this. I know a lot of people are hating on the Eagles getting Jalen Hurts and hating them for getting uh, what's it, Rieger from TCU instead of Justin Jefferson. Now, if Rieger doesn't pan out, then you could say yes, you know, you, you can hate it. But the Eagles tend to do things differently. They have different draft boards. They have a different strategy than a lot of teams. And let's be real, they won a Super Bowl not too long ago using these kind of tactic, uh, tactics. So unless it fails... I think they have the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I just, I, I think that Jalen Hurst does have that winning quality about him, uh, but so did Tim Tebow. And I mean, if you're going to win and going Tim 8 Tebow, for 24, he, he won playoff, he won playoff game. games. I mean, he was, he, he, was, he was a fine quarterback in the sense of winning. Uh, he wasn't a good quarterback in the sense of on the field production. And I, I just, I, I don't see it in terms of the second round. You know, even pushing this move back a couple rounds, fine. You know, go ahead. But, what you could have gotten of a, of a second-round value, you could have bettered your team in so many ways that Jalen Hurts just cannot. Even if even if Carson Wentz gets hurt, which, sadly for him at this point, seems like a fact instead of you know a question. It just seems of when when is he going to get hurt? You know that, that seems to be the the question for him. I just don't see Jalen Hurts picking up this team in the NFL. They do play in a bad division, which helps him, uh, but. We'll, we'll see how it goes. You're right. The, on all these prospects, you know, no matter what you feel about them, we'll see what happens. It's just a wait-and-see game. You know, people are wrong 
most of the time on prospects. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. I mean, but, the, the, the whole Trubisky-Mahomes thing, Dak Prescott <laughs> being a fourth. No one thought Dak was going to be this good. You know, let's be real. And Russell uh, Wilson, you know, Kirk Cousins. I mean, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Leaf. I mean, there's we all have certain things we look to. I mean, literally all of the six six quarterbacks in Denver before Drew Locke. I mean, there's so many different things you can look at, and some guys fall in love with guys. Some guys just have what it takes to make in the NFL. Some don't. I, you know, we have to wait and see. Was that the best? Now, the Redskins are not going to get praise on this show uh, very often. But was that was that one of the best strategies that you've seen a team have the guts to pull off of, yeah, we're going to invest a ton of trade capital and the second-round pick, you know, the second-overall pick, excuse me, on Robert Griffin III, but... He does have injuries in college. Let's go ahead and get the, the best quarterback available in the fifth round and draft Kirk Cousins as well. I, I think that was genius. And Smart they got move. made fun of at the time, if you remember. But, yeah. hey, look, you could tell that RG3 was going to get injured at some point in his career just based on the college factor. I mean, he had he incoming as a freshman at Baylor. He had an ACL injury. At Baylor, he had a knee injury. You could tell you're going to need insurance. Why not get the, you know, the, the best quarterback available at that pick? which was Kirk Cousins and turned out to be you know, a better NFL quarterback than RG3 was. So I think that that goes under the radar a lot. And I don't know no. why I just want to throw that out there real quick, but very good. that's a good point right there. Yeah, no, it's a very good point. And, and maybe this is uh, Jalen Hurts is the Kirk Cousins to Carson Wentz. And Jalen Hurts could surprise me because I'll say this for him. If there's anyone in this draft class that will work as hard as they can to overcome their shortcomings, and that is introspective enough and realizes their own shortcomings that doesn't think that there's some top elite prospect. It's Jalen Hurts who will put in all of the work and he will try his hardest to be a good quarterback in the NFL. And you, you know, believe it or not, you cannot say that about every prospect in the NFL draft. I know for certain that he will have the work ethic and that city's going to love that part about him. You know, of oh, all yeah. cities, Philadelphia will love the amount of work that he puts in. I mean, lifting weights after every OU game and doing things like that. Uh, you know, and not even posting a lot to social media or like rubbing it in your face. That's just what he does. He works hard. And so if there's anyone that can improve, it's going to be the guy that works the hardest. Yeah. And he'll get a couple uh, cheese sticks out of it. So, you know, it's a win-win. <laughs> but I do want to talk about another controversial quarterback selection. And it's not Justin Herbert. We can talk about that later. But Jordan Love to the Packers. And the Packers are going all in on the opposite move of the Chiefs. Let's not surround our franchise quarterback with weapons. Let's do the exact opposite and give him no weapons and see what happens. But at what point is Rodgers going to request out? Because that seems that seems like it's on the verge of happening. Yeah, and so here's where I, I differ. So for Carson Wentz, and I, I think that the difference is I think Carson Wentz is a franchise quarterback. Maybe I'm higher on Carson Wentz than a lot of people, but I still think the injury concerns make sense for Jalen Hurts. Aaron Rodgers, on the other hand, Aaron Rodgers has not gotten help his entire time there. Aaron Rodgers' story could be entirely different if the Packers actually tried to give him some help. They have not. The one time Aaron Rodgers says, you know what, guys, come on. I've been here long enough. You know, I don't think he admitted he's declining, but he's not what he once was, and he he needs help. And what do they do? They say, bleep off, Aaron. We're getting Jordan Love and... Either like it or don't. Well, Rodgers does not like this. I would not be surprised if Rodgers does want to trade. And what's going to piss me off is that for some reason, 
Bill Belichick is sitting there, you know, the uh, the masked man just rubbing his hands, and if for some reason Belichick lands Aaron Rodgers, would that surprise you? Not at all. And so I would be pissed if I was Aaron Rodgers. You know, if you're Green Bay, I get it. Aaron Rodgers is declining. He is not what he once was. You know, advanced analytics will, will show that – you know, he may not have even been a top 10 quarterback last year. But what I will say is he still makes throws that will make you go, wow. He still makes throws that only a handful of other guys in the NFL can make. Uh, the, the game against the Chiefs, that the back of the end zone toss to uh, Aaron Jones, where I'm like, okay, Mahomes makes this, maybe a Russell Wilson, Rodgers, and that's it. So if you give him help, he can still be that guy, and that's the difference between what the Patriots did with Tom Brady, gave him uh, some talent, and the difference between the Packers, who are saying, you know what, we're going to draft your replacement. And you bring up Tom Brady. That, that's my biggest gripe with the Packers right now. Number one, you don't know who Jordan Love is, and there's a lot of people that think that he's not going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. Number two, you have your guy right now. He literally, as you pointed out, won you a game last year. A game that Matt Moore almost beat you in prime time. He throws an unbelievable pass that you just sit back and and think, how in the world is that even possible? And the difference between the Packers organization and going all in with a guy that can still win, he can win in this league with talent around him, and the Buccaneers, who have gotten a quarterback in Tom Brady that I think is over the hill. I think Tom Brady's washed up. I don't think Tom Brady can win you games anymore. We just saw Aaron Rodgers win the Packers games by himself, doing it with his talent. I don't think that Tom Brady can do it on talent alone anymore. And the the totally different philosophies of those front offices that the Bucks are saying, hey, let's, let's extend O.J. Howard, let's pick up his option, let's get Gronk in here, no matter the cost, even at a fourth-round pick for a washed-up tight end. That's what our quarterback wants. That's what he thinks that he needs to succeed. Let's do everything he needs us to do. That way we can be successful. Let's trade up to get an offensive lineman. Let's do all the right things and put ourselves in position to win. The Packers are, I think, planning for the future too soon. I, I, Jordan Love, to me, does not scream you know, replacement. Aaron Rodgers, whenever he fell on the draft board, screamed, okay, he's a top talent. We don't know what's happening. We don't know why he fell, but he's a guy that we love. Let's let's get on him. There's no way that, that you were just enamored with Jordan Love. There's just no way. Well, and the same thing is, you can even say Brady with, with in New England. Because when they had Jimmy G, Brady seemingly got pissed. And what did that front office do? They traded him to give Brady immediate help with draft picks and players. Like, it just blows my mind that the Packers are doing this to a historically good quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. It just, it honestly makes zero sense to me. They're throwing in the towel. Again, I think your best bet if you are the Packers then at this point is just to say, you know what, screw it. Let's strip down. Let's trade Aaron Rodgers, who, by the way, Rodgers will still get you a king's ransom, and just start from scratch. I think that's almost the way you have to go, wouldn't you say? I, I think so too because this I don't see this ending well. We talked about that on Thursday. This All, all this move does does not set you up for the future. It just creates distractions and divides in the organization for you in the present day. That's all this accomplishes, I think. And you, you look at, again, as you mentioned, the Patriots going out and getting a Randy Moss, going out and getting a Brandon Cooks, going out and getting you know talent, talented receivers for their quarterback. 
And you look at the Chiefs just throwing guys at Mahomes. Oh, you want a new running back? Here you go. You know, you, you talked to us about, about uh, CEH before the draft. Here you go. We're, we're going to get him for you. You know, you want a, a great offensive lineman? Here you go. We're going to surround you with all the talent you can handle. Instead of doing that, you're literally drafting a quarterback that didn't even have positive, you know, positive outlooks coming into this draft. You know, there was no consensus of, hey, he's going to be good. There were a few whispers of, well, you know, he played in a, in a bad, system, bad system in college with bad talent. He has some Mahomes ability. You know, that was few and far between. The consensus was, we don't know what Jordan Love is. So you drafted an unknown quarterback instead of helping out your Hall of Famer, one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. You only have a small window left if you're the if you're the Packers with Aaron Rodgers. Why not fill it as best you can with going out and winning a Super Bowl? Yeah, they they uh, the Packers may have had the worst draft. Just this pick alone, I think, is, is worth that 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 marker. I don't. I think they, they didn't draft a single wide receiver. I'm pretty sure in the entire NFL draft, and this was known Just as ridiculous. An, an extremely deep wide receiver uh, class, one of the best of all time. And they say, you know what? Screw it. They, they just hung up a big middle finger and sent it to Aaron Rodgers. That's basically what they did. It's, it's insane to me. This was a historic wide receiver draft. And that's one thing that was consensus, is that this wide receiver draft was a historic one. And you don't even get a single guy? Unbelievable. And then your second round pick is AJ Dillon, who I don't believe in at all. I don't think he's a good running back. You still have Aaron Jones. The Boston College guy. You have Aaron Jones and uh, another guy. um, Jay. Oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. But you have Aaron Jones, uh, Jamal Williams. You got two guys that that apparently you're enamored with. I I think Aaron Jones is a very, very good running back. And you do. it, It literally makes zero sense, man. I. Some GMs, and I get it, you know, they're way smarter than we are. I understand that. But some decisions you're like, even I can tell this is going to backfire. It, it's, I, I don't see a path for this to be successful unless Jordan Love is Mahomes, which we, no one thinks that he's Mahomes. But this is just crazy to me. I couldn't believe it whenever the Packers did this. And they traded up to get him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... At this point, what more can we say? Is Aaron Rodgers on the week one roster, just to reiterate? What was that you cut out there? Is Aaron Rodgers on the week one roster? Yes. I I, I don't know if they can, because he's still, I still think, a top ten He's one of the guys that can change a game in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers can still change a game even though he is on the decline. Unless they get blown away with an offer. I, I still think the game plan was having Jordan Love sit behind a, you know, A-Rod for a while. Um, and the, you know maybe a year or two, a couple years before you even give him a taste. But at the same time, it is funny. Uh, A-Rod, J-Lo. Uh, this is the A-Rod, J-Lo part two. <laughs> I haven't seen that joke before, so I'm going to give you the total credit for it. That's a good one. That's Thank a you. really good one. Thank you. <laughs> but but uh, I, I think Packers-wise, if you're the Packers, absolutely it's on the roster. 
I do think that Aaron Rodgers is the guy is is the guy that can take the NFL into NBA territory and say, you know what? Screw the Packers. I'm, I'm not playing anymore for them. I'll do whatever I have to do to not play for the Packers. If that if that includes sitting out, I'll do it. I'm not mentoring Jordan Love. I'm not playing for an organization that no longer believes in me. And he'll try to get traded that way. I don't now. If I was betting, I would just say, hey, this is a distraction for whenever media is allowed to talk to Aaron Rodgers again. And then he goes and plays for the Packers. And all we remember is that the, is that the fact that they just refused to get him help. I don't think he's going to make a big fuss about it. But I yeah. do think that he's one of the talents that can. And he's one of the talents in this in this league that can get his way and and go play for a new team if he wants to, even under contract. No, I 100% agree. Well, that concludes the show for today. Sterling, how have you been? You know, any final words? Are you watching the MJ documentary? I'm waiting for a couple more episodes to come out, and then I'll just kind of binge it. That sounds uh, more my speed. Uh, been eating a lot of cake. Uh, eating a lot of cake. I'm building a garden and uh, drinking some Trulies and Bush Light. So, you know, basically what I'd be doing anyway, anyways. There you go. Not much has changed. I'm shirtless. You know, it's nice being shirtless at work. I'm just wearing basketball shorts and a hat. You know, that's my new attire. Hat inside at your own home. Well, your hair must be really getting out of control. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was doing yard work. You don't want to see me with my hat off right now. Okay. Okay, that that makes sense. Posting any more TikToks? Um, you did you see the other ones? Because there uh, maybe one more. I think I did one more when I was uh, on my birthday. I was a little uh, at a couple of the uh, adult beverages and made one, so it, it probably wasn't good. There you go. Again, that's Sterling Holmes. You can follow him on Twitter at HomestretchKC. I'm Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Both those linked in the description below. Subscribe to the show wherever you may find it and leave us a review. Until next time, be good and be good to one another. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.